Rioters stormed the Capitol building to try to stop the Electoral College vote count for Joe Biden. The left blames all Republicans for the insurrection, and Twitter suspends Trump. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy protected at expressvpn.com. Ben, we'll get to everything news-related in just one moment. First, let me remind you, you are spending too much on your cell phone bill. Did you know that your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? You can think about it. What would your family do with that extra money? Probably not spend it on cell phone service you don't need. Instead, check out Pure Talk. They've got the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half the price. Why? Well, because the other carriers, they're not going to tell you this, but they are charging you for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. You don't need unlimited data. Nobody has ever used unlimited data. You need two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage with Pure Talk USA, they don't charge you for it, and you're not going to have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the United States. They're some of the nicest people you will ever talk to. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro to get started, save yourself a bundle. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month as well. Aside from the other overall savings, dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless again. Why would you be spending twice as much money for the same exact coverage? There is no reason to do this. Save yourself some money. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say my name, Ben Shapiro, and save 50% off your first month when you do. Okay, so yesterday was one of the, was, no, bar none, not one of the, the most horrifying thing that I have seen in American politics in my lifetime. It was absolutely horrific on every possible level. And we're going to go through today the entire, the entire string of events. We're going to go through the reaction to the events, which also has been quite terrible. So I guess the, the synopsis of today's show is that everything is terrible. That's, that, that's the synopsis. But what we saw yesterday is inexcusable, unjustifiable, awful on every level, disgusting on every level. Just terrible. Terrible. When you have rioters taking over the U.S. Capitol building, the seat of American democracy, and when you have those rioters saying that they are doing so in the name of the president of the United States, and when you have them doing that to the legislative branch of the government, and when you have those people, they, 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 they are rioters, they are not protesters, okay? As soon as you commit an act of vandalism or violence, you are no longer in the category of protester, you are now a rioter. And unlike some folks who have justified riots based on the perspective of the rioters, if you are a criminal, you are a criminal, and you should go to jail. You should go to jail. And this was an attempted act of insurrection. I mean, technically speaking, that's what it was, considering that the reason that this happened is because Congress was simply there doing their constitutional duty and tabulating the state-certified electoral count. Okay, that's all they were doing. They do not have the power. Congress does not have the power, as I have been saying all week long. Congress does not and never did have the power to simply overturn state electoral college certified results. That is not a legal thing for them to do. Vice President Pence did not have that power. Congress did not have that power. It was not going to happen anyway, even if you thought they had that power, because Democrats control the House of Representatives. So all of that was tomfoolery. It was nonsense. And folks who believed that it wasn't nonsense and decided that they were going to commit an evil act. It is an evil act to invade the seat of government and do violence to people. It turns out we now have over a dozen police officers who are injured. There are four people who are dead. One person was shot. Three people died in medical emergencies yesterday. That's as bad an event as I've ever seen in American public life. Frankly, I think that in, in many ways, it's the worst thing to happen to the United States of America since 9-11. It's, it's, it was cataclysmically awful cataclysmically awful. Obviously, a very different sort of thing, considering that 9-11 was a, a, a foreign terror attack ending with mass carnage and mass death. But the grave damage done to the sense of democracy, to the, to the propriety of a republic, and to the functional workings of our government yesterday, it was pretty awful. It was pretty awful. Now, the American system is robust and bounced back within hours, thank God. 
But that does not diminish the importance of what happened yesterday, which, again, was was bad on every single level. So let's start from the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start, as Julie Andrews might say. So yesterday, there was a, a lot of lead up. There's a lot of lead up to yesterday. Remember, the big news story in the morning was that the Republicans had lost the Senate and the Democrats now had unified control of the government. And there had been lead up for weeks to the January 6th vote by Congress to simply count the votes. Again, there is no legal basis. There is not. There is not a legal basis for the vice presidents of the United States to overturn electoral vote counts. There is not a legal basis for Congress to simply throw out electoral vote counts it doesn't like in the absence of overwhelming evidence of voter fraud or voter irregularity, especially because all of these states had already certified their vote counts within the statutorily provided safe harbor provisions. If you were going to make the arguments, you had to make them in court. The Trump team did not make those arguments in court. In fact, the Trump team repeatedly refused to make fraud arguments in, for example, Pennsylvania, which was the most hotly fraught of the states. And as it turns out, pretty much nobody in Congress yesterday was even willing to challenge the vote counts in Georgia. And after all of the hubbub and after all the to do. But in the lead up, President Trump was suggesting publicly, openly and repeatedly that the January 6th vote was going to overturn the results of the Electoral College and the results of the election itself and that he was going to be reinstalled as president if only if only the Republicans in Congress could find the guts to do so. It was not going to happen. It was a myth. It was not true. Okay, so President Trump led a rally yesterday in which he told people that the election was stolen from now. He is an American. He has the right to say his piece. He has the right to believe whatever he wants to believe about whether the election was stolen or whether the election was not stolen. However, the president of the United States should not be doing this, obviously, especially when he has not provided the evidence to back his move. He has not provided the overwhelming evidence the election was stolen. The reality is the certified vote counts from a wide variety of states, including two that were traditionally red states, Arizona and Georgia, went for Joe Biden. The, the electoral vote count here was the same as the electoral vote count Trump against Hillary Clinton, which he himself called the landslide. In that case, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Here, Trump lost the popular vote by some 7 million votes. I know that there are a lot of questions about voter irregularity. I know there are, ser there are real serious questions about voter procedures, right? Voter ID and universal mail-in balloting. I fully agree with the latter. A lot of the voting procedures are really bad and need to be redone. I, I am not comfortable with people voting months in advance in universal mail-in balloting without serious examination of the of the voter rolls to purge people who have moved out of state, et cetera. But that is not what Trump was talking about, right? Trump kept saying over and over and over, the president, he kept saying over and over and over that the election had been stolen from him. And also he had refused repeatedly to commit to a peaceful transition of power, right? This goes all the way back to 2016 when he had he'd refused to say that he would concede if he lost. Now, as we'll see yesterday, he actually did say that there would be a peaceful transition of power. But that should have been obviously the first word out of his mouth after the election. It should have been, I'm going to go through all the legal challenges. I believe I won. But of course, if the Electoral College votes, we have a process in this country, there will be a peaceful transition of power. In any case, President Trump gave a speech to a very, very large march, tens of thousands of people gathering in Washington, D.C. to what they call stop the steal. Here was President Trump yesterday saying he would never concede under any circumstances. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. Okay, now, obviously, those sorts of vague, inflammatory statements, 
they're not good for the republic. So let me just say this right from the outset. There are a lot of people today saying that Trump is responsible for the actual riot that happened at the Capitol building. So I have a very strict standard. You can go back in time. You can look at how I've applied this standard. Okay, it's a very, very strict standard when it comes to saying that someone is directly responsible for violence done by another adult human being. And that is, if you didn't tell somebody to do the violence, you're not technically responsible for the violence, right? I said this about Barack Obama. When, when a Black Lives Matter supporter shot six police officers in Dallas after months of Obama suggesting that the police were systemically racist, I said that is not on Barack Obama. Barack Obama is responsible for raising the temperature to the point where people do bad things. That he is responsible for. He is not responsible for the actual shooting. I said the same thing about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders claimed for months, for years on end, that Republicans were killing old people and that Republicans were attempting to have people die for lack of health care. And then a Bernie Sanders supporter went and shot a bunch of Congress people, including Steve Scalise, who almost died. I did not say that Bernie Sanders was responsible for that because Bernie Sanders was not responsible for that. Bernie Sanders did not tell the guy to go shoot members of Congress. I have a very strict standard and I have applied it on every single side of this particular issue. With that said, when you raise the temperature, when you keep raising the temperature, when you keep boiling the pot, then eventually it's going to bubble over. And when you keep saying over and over that the election is stolen and that we, and he makes big statements, we are not going to stand for it. We're not going to let this happen in our country, right? When you suggest that members of Congress are acting treasonously, I mean, it is, it is an accusation essentially of acting seditiously. If you know that the election was stolen and you vote for it anyway, then it is not entirely unpredictable that people are going to act out in this way. So two things can be true at once, as always. One, you are not guilty of somebody else's direct violent conduct unless you directed them to do that direct violent conduct, but you are guilty for the language that you speak. Right? You are responsible for the promulgation of untruths. You are responsible for the, for the raising of the temperature. You are responsible for misleading people about the proper response to something like this. We do have legal processes, and the president eventually came around to the legal processes last night, at least publicly. But we'll get to more of this in, in just one second, because obviously that was just the beginning of the day yesterday and much more happened from there. First, something lighter, something lighter, something wonderful. Okay, I, mean, I know, we're all gonna take a breath, okay? Waffles. <laughs> waffles, they're great. I mean, what can I say? Stuffler waffles, okay? The Presto Stuffler stuffed waffle maker, it is, it, it's like the best device. My kids love this thing. So every Sunday morning, this has now become a Shapiro family tradition. We get out. That Presto Stuffler stuffed waffle maker. We grab our waffle mix and we put it in the in the waffle maker. We put a layer of waffle. You put whatever filling you want, peanut butter cups, strawberries, blueberries, nuts, cheese, like whatever you want in there. And then you pour a little bit more batter on the top. You flip it over. You let it cook for like 10 minutes and you get the best waffle you have ever had. I mean, these stuffed waffles are just unbelievable. It's so easy to use. It's really cleverly designed. The Presto Stuffler works with most any batter. Instant boxed from scratch, not just waffle mixes, cake, muffin, brownie, cornbread. Presto provides dozens of recipes and ideas for intriguing batters and delicious fillings. You can even diet with a stuffed waffle. You can use one of the no or low-carb gluten-free keto batters. You can fill it with protein. You can fill it with veggies. You can even make nutrition delicious with the Presto Stuffler Stuffed Waffle Maker. It's an amazing, awesome product. My family loves it. My kids love it. In fact, when we had relatives who were in the general area, they came over and they were desperate to use it because they'd heard me talk about it. They were indeed impressed. Head on over to www.stuffler, that's S-T-U-F-F-L-E-R.com. Click buy now, add to cart, and enter promo code Ben to get 10% off and free shipping. Remember, that's stuffler.com, promo code Ben at checkout for that amazing waffle maker. Okay, well, now that we've gotten beyond happy thoughts, we'll get back to uh, less happy events happening in the United States. Okay, so President Trump continued his speech yesterday. Again, this is in front of tens of thousands of people uh, fairly early yesterday morning. Here is President Trump slamming his own Supreme Court appointees 
who he said he was disappointed in for not overruling the state electoral counts in, the, in, these, various, in these various areas. And again, there's no indicator that the Supreme Court saw any evidence sufficient to overturn election results. They, they, they turned down the Pennsylvania case on the basis that there was a, a serious problem with the federal court adjudicating what was, in fact, a state legislative matter. Okay, but, but even there, they, they, I believe it was a 7-2 ruling, even there, the, the two who voted in favor of taking the case suggested pretty openly that does not mean that they would have voted in favor of overturning the electoral results from Pennsylvania. In any case, President Trump slammed his own Supreme Court appointees in front of this very large crowd yesterday. I'm not happy with the Supreme Court. They love to rule against me. I picked three people. I fought like hell for them. One in particular, I fought. They all said, sir, cut him loose. He's killing us. Senators, you know, very loyal senators. They're very loyal people. Sir, cut him loose. He's killing us, sir. Cut him loose, sir. I must have gotten half of the senators. I said, no, I can't do that. It's unfair to him and it's unfair to the family. He didn't do anything wrong. They're made up stories. They're all made up stories. He didn't do anything wrong. Cut him loose, sir. I said, no, I won't do that. We got him through. And you know what? They couldn't give a damn. They couldn't give a damn. Let him rule the right way. But it almost seems that they're all going out of their way to hurt all of us and to hurt our country. Okay, I mean, this is, it, honestly, it's really bad stuff. It, it, it's, it's gross. It is gross. I mean, when the president suggests that the Supreme Court is going out of the way to rule against him, even though I got them through and they owe me an oath of personal loyalty, that's not how the government works. That is not how the government was ever designed to work. It is a government of laws, not of men. It is not a personal loyalty test to any one person. It never should be a personal loyalty test to any one person, Democratic, Republican, black, white, or green. Okay, so then President Trump finishes this rally by, by saying that he's going to lead all these people on a march down to the Capitol building. Okay, so this, as this is happening, by the way, Congress is meeting to discuss the, the state electoral results. And again, the way that process works, as we'll discuss, is the vice president opens the votes. He counts the votes. He does not have the power to throw out the votes. The Congress of the United States, if you get one congressperson and one senator, they can then challenge any state electoral result on the basis of either illegal certification or they can say there was bribery that happened, something like that. Okay, then there is a separate debate for each House of Congress. They come back together. They vote on it. It was a foregone conclusion that that tactic was going to be a failure. Uh, the, the Congress is just not given this sort of responsibility. The federal government does not have the ability to simply overrule state electoral college results for the 1,000th time. And it's just not a legal reality. In any case, President Trump says, I'm going to lead you on a march. Here is, here is the conclusion of his speech. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Okay, so he says he's going to lead a march on the Capitol. He, in fact, did not lead a march on the Capitol. He went back to the White House. The march on the Capitol then proceeded. Okay, so while all of this is happening, I mean, it's like something out of a horrible B-film. Uh, at, while all of this is happening, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, releases a statement saying, no, I'm not going to simply overthrow an election and simply hand the election to my boss. Like, that's not a thing that I'm going to do. He put out a letter earlier yesterday 
in which he said, our founders created the Electoral College in 1787. It first convened in 1789. With the advent of political parties, the Electoral College was amended in 1804 to provide that electors vote separately for president and vice president. Congress spent a decade after 1876 establishing rules and procedures to govern the counting of electoral votes and the resolution of any objections. During the 130 years since the Electoral Count Act was passed, Congress has, without exception, used these formal procedures to count the electoral votes every four years. Given the controversy surrounding this year's election, some approach this year's quadrennial tradition with great expectations, others with dismissive disdain. Some believe that as vice president, I should be able to accept or reject electoral votes unilaterally. Others believe electoral votes should never be challenged in a joint session of Congress. After a careful study of our Constitution, our laws, our history, I believe neither view is correct. The presidency belongs to the American people and to them alone. When disputes concerning a presidential a presidential election arise under federal law, writes Vice President Pence, it is the people's representatives who review the evidence and resolve the disputes through a democratic process. And then he continues, vesting the vice president with unilateral authority to decide presidential contests would be entirely antithetical to that design, which of course is exactly right. He said that he would gather, he would do his duty, and then he would, he would do it in a manner consistent with our constitution, laws, and history. So help me God. Right. So Pence announces that I am not going to be overturning the results of the election. And the debate begins in the Senate. Senator Ted Cruz is one of the leaders of the effort to challenge electoral results. And uh, Senator Cruz gets up and he, and he explains why he is doing this. We have seen and no doubt will continue to see a great deal of moralizing from both sides of the aisle. But I would urge to both sides perhaps a bit less certitude and a bit more recognition that we are gathered at a time when democracy is in crisis. Recent polling shows that 39% of Americans believe the election that just occurred, quote, was rigged. You may not agree with that assessment, but it is nonetheless a reality for nearly half the country. I would note it is not just Republicans who believe that. 31% of independents agree with that statement. 17% of Democrats believe the election was rigged. Okay, this is a very, very, very poor argument. It is a bad argument that because a lot of people believe a thing, therefore we are going to misuse the legal process in order to, in order to what? make excuses for the thing that's not going to end with anything changing. Okay, the, the, the reality is, as I've said, again, I have very consistent standards when it comes to this sort of stuff. Allegations must be substantiated by evidence. We have over 50 court cases in which these allegations were not properly substantiated by evidence. We have had open, sen we have had open legislative hearings in a variety of purple states, in, in, in states that, that went from Trump to Biden, right? We have, we've had a, a series of hearings in which the evidence presented has been has been put forth. It has not been particularly convincing. Okay, just because a lot of people believe a thing does not mean that you should grant legitimacy to the thing they believe when the evidence is simply not there. So Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, he gets up and he says exactly this. And frankly, good for McConnell. Good for McConnell. So here is, here is Mitch. I've had many problems with Mitch McConnell over the years. Uh, this is not one of them. Here's Mitch McConnell yesterday saying that, listen, regardless of what you believe, the evidence of fraud is not honest. It has not been substantiated to the scale where it would overturn the presidential election. This is obviously true based on the evidence that has been examined at this time. All rumors to the contrary. They did several revotes in recounts of the vote in Georgia. 
They investigated all the allegations in Georgia up to and including the allegations that dead people were voting, up to and including the allegations at the State Farm Arena. Right here is Mitch McConnell saying the evidence is not there. Nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale, the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. Okay, and McConnell then continued, he said, you know, one of the things that's happening in this country, and it's pretty egregious, is we cannot have separate sets of facts that are being put forth. We cannot keep drifting apart into two separate tribes with a separate set of facts and separate realities. With nothing in common except our hostility towards each other and mistrust for the few national institutions that we all still share. Okay, and then finally McConnell concludes and he says, if the election were actually overturned, if some of these folks got what they wanted, we would basically be in a civil war, which is of course correct. Let's say the Congress decided they were just gonna throw out all of the state votes. They were gonna disenfranchise tens of millions of people in these various states and simply enshrine Donald Trump for a second turn. You really think there wouldn't be mass, not what we saw yesterday, mass violence in the streets, like open chaos and civil war? There would be. It would also be morally wrong. You don't get to overthrow state-certified electoral college results on the congressional level because you don't like the result. Here was McConnell yesterday. This election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side. Our democracy would enter a death spiral. We'd never see the whole nation accept an election again. Every four years would be a scramble for power at any cost. Okay, so McConnell was right about all of that. Okay, so as this is happening, President Trump tweets out against Mike Pence. Right, we now know, by the way, that the, the president apparently has banned Mark Short, the vice president's chief of staff, from even entering the White House at this point. So this is uh, the, the fit of peak has not yet ended. So Trump tweeted out, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones, which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. Okay, well, this is where, again, are you responsible for raising the temperature? You damn sure well are when you do that sort of stuff. I mean, what exactly does he think the remedy is at this point? He's taken it to every court in the land. All the courts have said he didn't provide the evidence. He took it to state legislatures. They said, you're not providing enough evidence for us to overturn the will of the people. Okay, like what the vice president isn't going to break the law. Congress isn't going to break the law. And then when he says the USA demands the truth, like in, in what way? In what way? What is the practical way in which this is true? Right. How, how is that going to happen? What is that supposed to mean? Now, again, that doesn't mean he is calling for violence. It does mean that he is responsible for radically raising the temperature, as he has been for the last couple of months, based on allegations that have been unverified and unproven and in many cases overtly debunked. And none of this is to say voter fraud and voter irregularity didn't take place or that we shouldn't have investigations into criminally serious criminal allegations. I said that every single day since the election. None of this means that we shouldn't take a look at the voter laws that govern in a lot of these states, which in fact are not good. But the president has been making unverified, unverifiable, and in some cases overtly falsified allegations about the nature of this election. And he has whipped people up into such a, in such a fervor by, by suggesting over and over and over again that there are remedies available to them that are simply not available to them. And then what happens when they run out of remedies? What happens when there are no more remedies available? Okay, so in a second, we'll get to 
what what then happened? What happened next, which of course is the dramatic event of yesterday and one of the worst things that I have seen in my political life. And downplaying it is not worthy of conservatives. Downplaying it is not worthy of people who call themselves protectors of the Constitution, protectors of civil liberties and civil rights. It is not worthy of that. And by the way, you know, the, the sort of whataboutism that is now applying, the reason that it is bad when the left greenlit Antifa and BLM riots during the summer is because that is bad. Okay, and it's just as bad if you are greenlighting stuff like that from people that you have sympathy for. Okay, double standards apply both ways. And we'll get to all of that, all of that and more in just one second. First, let's talk about life insurance. So it's pretty obvious at this point, everybody needs life insurance. What a year this has been. It is a year that reminds you that it would be good to protect your family in case, God forbid, something should happen to you. And this is why you need life insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy for you to compare more than 30 top insurers at once and save over 50% in the process. There's no hassle. Their licensed experts work for you, not the insurance companies. Here's how it works. First, head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything for you. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make this the year you finally cross life insurance off your list. Get protection for your loved ones. Go to policygenius.com and get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Start the new year with one less thing to worry about. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it is nice and quite, quite important to get it right. Okay, so all of this culminates in a riot at the Capitol building and Congress itself being put under siege. Congress has to go into recess. Uh, the, I spoke to several Congress people yesterday who were rushed into safe spots in the Capitol building. Senators were all being housed together. Various Congress people were being sheltered in their offices, protected by Capitol Police, and in some cases, Secret Service. Lawmakers, staff members, according to the AP, were hiding under tables, hunkered in lockdown, saying prayers, seeing the fruits of the country's divisions up close and violent. Guns were drawn. The images are absolutely stunning. The guns were drawn in the Capitol chamber. They're barbarian, literally people dressed as barbarians, taking over the Capitol chamber, sitting in the vice president's seat. You can see this image, Secret Service agents pointing guns, at one, of the, at one of the doors as people try to break into the doors of the Capitol building. One woman was shot dead. Uh, the footage of that is uh, too gruesome for me to show you. She was unarmed. She, she was attempting to climb up into the chamber in criminal fashion, and she was shot by a Capitol police officer, and she, uh, she died. Uh, the three other people apparently died in, in various medical emergencies around the, around the uh, periphery of the, of the riot. According to the AP, the pro-Trump mob took over the presiding officer's chair in the Senate, the offices of the House Speaker and the Senate dais, where one yelled, Trump won the election. They mocked its leaders. They posed for photos in the office of House Speaker Pelosi, one with his feet propped on a desk in her office, another sitting in the same seat. Vice President Pence had occupied only moments before during the proceedings to certify the Electoral College vote. The rioters began by mobbing the media. Right, So they, they actually just started tearing away cameras. This is criminal activity. All these people should spend time in jail. You can you can see the video. They literally just went up to members of the media and they started mobbing them and and destroying their their cameras. Okay, this is criminal activity is called criminal activity. This is criminal activity. And you can hear the chaos. You can see them stealing and or wrecking the equipment. These these folks are a delight. Then the uh, mob took over the Capitol. You can actually see the footage of the moment that the mob took over the Capitol building, injuring police officers in the process. They uh, they simply push right through the gates. So the police officers are, are standing there. They were lined up on the steps. Here you can see uh, this 
Man Dresses a Barbarian, the writers of this season are uh, really too on the nose, I think. When you have like actual people dressed as actual barbarians trying to break into the U.S. Capitol building, the seat of uh, the most the most long-lasting and powerful democracy in the history of the world. Having the guy dressed as a barbarian is a little bit on the nose. So people simply just bust through the gates and uh, move their way into the Capitol. People waving Trump flags, people shouting, carrying American flags, a couple carrying Confederate flags, which is always a great look. So folks, folks, you know, breaking in. The footage is pretty stunning. There, there are people who are chasing down police officers. There are pictures of blood on the floor. There are rioters who are attempting to, to, yeah, you can see the footage there, blood on the floor. You can see rioters attempting to bust through the doors using, uh, using some of the gates as battering rams. Naturally, they, uh, these idiots uh, festooned the, uh, the battering rams, which they were trying to break into the halls of democracy with a, with a Trump flag. It's, uh, it was egregious. It was egregious. And this lasted for hours. Okay, and this did, this did raise serious questions, which we'll get to in a moment, about the nature of the Capitol Police response and where the hell were they and where was the National Guard and how was this? Like, if terrorists had known it would be this easy to take over the U.S. Capitol building, ISIS had to be sitting there going, man, what morons are we? Why had we not tried this before? Okay, so the Republican, so the response across the board is absolute shock, horror, and it should be shock and horror because I've never seen anything like this. Have you ever seen anything like this? I haven't. The only things that I've seen that are remotely like this, like even in any remote way, there was a situation back in 2011 when some protesters took over the uh, the Capitol building in Wisconsin during a union fight. Right, there, were, there were Kavanaugh protesters who like banged on the, the doors of the Supreme Court, but the full-scale takeover of the, of the Capitol building and the destruction of property wholesale and the wounding of police officers too are in the hospital, the shooting of a, of a rioter right, in the halls of Congress, Egregious, egregious stuff. Okay, so President, uh, so so Vice President Pence tweets his response to all of this. Vice President Pence tweeted out, the violence and destruction taking place at the U.S. Capitol must stop and it must stop now. Anyone involved must respect law enforcement officers and immediately leave the building. Okay, so strong condemnation, of course. McCar- Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, Republican Leader in the House, he, he said yesterday, this is un-American, which of course it absolutely is. This is so un-American. I condemn any of this violence that's happening in the Capitol right now. I could not be fatter or more disappointed with the way our country looks at this very moment. People are getting hurt. Anyone involved in this, if you're hearing me, hearing very loud and clear, this is not the American way. This is not protected by the First Amendment. This must stop now. Okay, then uh, Joe Biden gets up. They, they activate him from the basement in Wilmington, and he gets up and he gives what I thought, honestly, was a, was a fairly decent statement, uh, the president-elect. He, he gets up and he says, the democracy is under assault, which, again, it was. I mean, these were people overtly attempting to disrupt democratic procedures from taking place in an attempt to, in an attempt to prevent him from being president in some addle-brained way. This was never going to work. It was idiotic in the extreme. It's illegal, it's criminal, and it's gross. Here was Vice President, well, now President-elect Biden, condemning this. At this hour... Our democracy is under an unprecedented assault, unlike anything we've seen in modern times. An assault on the citadel of liberty, the capital itself. An assault on the people's representatives, on the Capitol Hill police, sworn to protect them. 
and the public servants who work at the heart of our republic. An assault on the rule of law like few times we've ever seen it. Okay, and then he continued. He said that he called on President Trump to go on TV and call for an end to this because while this was going on, uh, President Trump had, had not gone on TV. As we'll see, Trump had tweeted a couple of times. We'll get to Trump's response in just one moment. Here was the uh, president-elect. The words of a president matter, no matter how good or bad that president is. At their best, the words of a president can inspire. At their worst, they can incite. And therefore, I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege. Okay, so uh, then, then, you know, Biden made a statement about how this wasn't about him. It was really about democracy. And regardless of uh, what you think of his characterization of Trump's remarks, the reality is that these folks were proclaiming themselves Trump followers. Trump needed to do something. And Trump did a couple of things. So what here's what Trump did. So Trump tweeted out a couple of things. He tweeted out originally uh, that the violence should stop. He said, I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. And then he tweeted out also, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Okay, so he did tweet those two things out. Then maybe it couple of hours later, hour and a half later, he released a video. Okay. In this video, he had two messages, which don't have to be in conflict, but uh, are somewhat in conflict. One is that he doubts the outcome of the election. And the other is that all these people should go home and stop being violent. As I say, it's a free country. You're allowed to doubt whatever you want. When the president of the United States keeps raising the temperature by suggesting that the election was stolen and that every avenue of legal recourse has been closed, that does create the impetus for people to do some pretty nasty things. But here's the president's statement. He did, in fact, call for people to stand down and stop this. Here, here is the statement. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace we have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Okay, go home in peace is a good message. The election was stolen from you. It was a landslide election. There's no legal recourse for us to reclaim that. No one has ever been screwed like I've been screwed. No one's being screwed like you're being screwed. You saw how they treated everybody with kid gloves when they rioted back during the summer. And now how they're treating you and they're going to use it as an excuse. There are some mixed messages there. There are some mixed messages there. Those mixed messages were exacerbated by one more tweet that President Trump sent, which, as we'll see, resulted in him being suspended from Twitter entirely, which, of course, is the wrong response by Twitter. Trump tweeted out, 
These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. That does not sound like the opposition to criminals committing acts of vandalism and violence against federal buildings that, uh, that he had against Antifa or BLM back during the summer. Right? He, we, we passed executive orders. He promulgated an executive order looking to prosecute anybody who destroyed a federal monument for, for 10 years in prison. I mean, th this was a major issue during the summer. Okay, regardless of whether he whipped people into a frenzy, I mean, the fact is, they are, if he wants to say that he is not responsible for, for the violence, which I don't think that he is, then why exactly is he, is he saying that? Well, why, why exactly? Like, he, he should not be. Remember this day? These are great patriots who are committing acts of vandalism and violence, and they're doing so because they're angry. Okay, it is wrong when, so Barack Obama did some of this stuff during the, during the Ferguson riots. He would say, well, you know, people don't feel like this out of nowhere. You have to understand their feelings. Yeah, the rioting is bad. But, and I ripped Obama at the time. And this, that statement is, is egregious. That is not a good statement. It is not a good statement. And people who are trying to twist that into, well, he's just calling for peace there. Calling for peace at the same time that you suggest overtly and, and repeatedly that the election was stolen, a landslide election was overtly stolen, which is a subversion of the democratic process. That, that is not likely to fall on ears that are likely to hear that as, oh yeah, what you're doing is really bad right now. Okay, so President Trump finally this morning came out and pledged an orderly transfer of power, which this should have happened again literally the day before the, it should have happened years ago, right? He said, even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. I've always said we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted. While this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again. Okay, so he says there will be an orderly transition. Would have been nice if, uh, if he had been saying that repeatedly and overtly and over and over and over again for the last two months, minimum, even as he pursued his legal recourses, which again, I said he had the right to pursue. I said every day on this program, every legal recourse is open to him. Once those are exhausted, the process has played out and it's over. Okay. We'll get to the narratives that are going to be drawn from this because the narratives are, are going to be what you have to live with after this, right? After this horrible, horrible day is over, and it is, after the, after the tear gas has dissipated, after the Senate is put back in working order and all the papers are restored and all the desks are rebuilt, after the morning is done for the woman who was shot and killed at the Capitol building, after all that is over, then we're going to have to deal with the fallout. And the narratives are the fallout. So we'll get to the narratives in just one second because the ramifications for conservatives and for the Republic are pretty dire. I don't have a lot of trust that this is going to be the, the beginning of a reunification of the country in any serious way. Get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you are spending way too much money on your auto parts. You are. You went down to that auto parts store, didn't you? And then you stood in line for a long time. And then you got to the front and they didn't have the part. They ordered it online, then they upcharged you. Why wouldn't you just be skipping the middleman and going to rockauto.com? It's so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then they usually just have to order the part online anyway because there are lots of types of cars. It's impossible to keep them all stocked. Well, you have access to rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket, just do it yourself. And you can save a ton of money. Let's say hypothetically, you happen to need a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. And it costs like 354 bucks at a big chain store. Well, at Rock Auto, that's 217 bucks. 
rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. All righty. So in just one second, we'll get to the narratives that are going to be drawn from this. And that's the stuff you're going to have to live with. It's going to shape the country for the next several years minimum. And uh, these narratives are wrong, thoroughly wrong. In many cases, they are extraordinarily, like factually wrong, quite ugly. And they're going to have real consequences for the way that we live politically and live with each other in the country. We'll get to that in a second. First, as you'll see, it's going to, a lot of this is going to be tied into the narratives that the left has about, about conservatives. Right. The big point that they are going to make coming out of this is that all conservatives are responsible for the actions of an egregious few who have committed an act that is roundly condemned by every conservative of any size, scope, or following. Right. They're going to try and label it, but, but that's what the media do. That's what, that's what the, the, the left's grip on the institutional culture means, that they try to cram down visions of conservatives that turn conservatives into the barbarians who storm the gates. Well, we need to fight back in the culture. The way to fight back in the culture is by providing alternatives. If people are shaped by the entertainment they watch, they're shaped by Netflix, they're shaped by Amazon, they're shaped by the movies and TV that they view. That is why we are getting into the entertainment business here at Daily Wire. We're releasing our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, on Friday, January 15th for Daily Wire members. You can check out the trailer over at the Daily Wire YouTube right now. Meanwhile, one of the reasons you should subscribe to Daily Wire more generally is because we are trying to fight back against an establishment media that lies to you on a regular basis and that doesn't tell you the truth and that acts as a partisan wing for the Democratic Party and for the woke left. If you want to fight that, the best way to fight that is get involved in the cultural battles. And the best way to do that is to help us out here over at Daily Wire, dailywire.com slash subscribe. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So there are three narratives and one set of overt actions that are going to be taken now that are really, truly horrifying for the republic. So there are three narratives that, that started to make the rounds around Twitter and then, of course, filtered their way into the media and now will become part of the broad public debate. One was the attempt to make this about race, which is unbelievable. I mean, literally, you had a white woman who was shot to death, right? I mean, she died at the hands of the Capitol Police in the United States Capitol building after rioting and entering that building illegally. And the takeaway from the media is that if these were black protesters or rioters, that everyone would have been shot, right? This is the take of Jamel Hill, who can reliably make anything into a racial comment. So Jamel Hill says, let's just be clear about something. The reason the Capitol Police were slow to respond is because they gave these white people the benefit of the doubt and treated it like a joke. The reaction isn't the same because they see black people as a threat that needs to be eliminated. Well, I'm going to go through exactly why Capitol Police responded the way they did in just one second. Dwayne Wade said the same thing. The basketball player, black people get pulled over and don't make it out alive. Okay, first of all, that's just, it's on a statistical level, that is not true. Millions of people every year are pulled over in the United States of America. The number of people who are shot unarmed by the police is in the low double digits to single digits, black Americans. We, but says Dwayne Wade, we can't sleep in our own beds without being killed. Again, a lie. We can't jog without being killed. Again, a lie. We can't walk down the street with our hoodies up without being killed, but they can do this. That, that of course, so this is the case that's made, is that because the Capitol Police and National Guard didn't put this thing down with prejudice, that that is an indicator of generalized American white supremacy. First of all, the Capitol Police should have put this thing down with prejudice. Second of all, the National Guard should have been there and they should have been doing something. As we will see, it was local politicians and federal politicians who decided, and federal bureaucrats who decided they didn't want 
enough law enforcement there, partially as a response to criticism that they received back in the summer that they were too harsh with the protesters. And you have Joy Reid, a reliable source of insanity, who says the exact same thing. Here was Joy Reid. White Americans aren't afraid of the cops. White Americans are never afraid of the cops, even when they're committing insurrection, even when they're engaged in attempting to occupy our capital to steal the votes of people who look like me. Because in their minds, they own this country, they own that capital, they own the cops, the cops work for them, and people like me have no damn right to try to elect a president. Because we don't get to pick the president. They get to pick the president. They own the president. They own the White House. They own this country. Okay, the white people own the country. I mean, like, what kind of sick, perverse notion is this? You turn, how, to turn this into a racial issue is beyond, beyond insane. Beyond insane. Especially because you know why this happened. According to The Federalist, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, right, a black woman who let people and actually mandated that they turn a, a, an entire plaza into Black Lives Matter Plaza. They painted Black Lives Matter on an entire city street in Washington, D.C. She told federal law enforcement to stand down just one day before a mob of Trump supporters breached the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday, smashing windows, entering chambers, forcing lawmakers and congressional staff inside into lockdown. Bowser wrote in a letter to U.S. Acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen, Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, and Secretary of the Army Ryan D. McCarthy, to be clear, the District of Columbia is not requesting other federal law enforcement personnel and discourages any additional deployment without immediate notification to and consultation with MPD if such plans are underway. According to Bowser, D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department, in coordination with Park Police, Capitol Police, and Secret Service, were well-equipped to handle whatever problems could come up during the Trump rallies planned for Wednesday. She said, the District of Columbia government has not requested personnel from any other law enforcement agencies. To avoid confusion, we ask that any additional request for assistance be coordinated using the same process and procedures. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Capitol Police were not prepared for the rioters. Apparently, federal authorities had planned to deal with the protests this week with a relatively small, minimally visible presence, according to law enforcement officials, hoping to avoid inflaming tensions as a show of force had done during the unrest last year in Portland, Oregon, and other cities. So remember, the entire left suggested that the violence in Portland was due to federal authorities being in Portland. So now, in response, the feds were like, we're not going to put people at the Capitol. Great idea, everyone. It worked out fantastically well. But apparently, this is all a race thing. It's because the protesters were white yesterday. Okay, beyond that, can we remember back to the BLM protests? Can we remember the fact that there were 16 to 20, by polling data, 16 to 25 million protesters across the country? There were a grand total of 14,000 arrests during the months-long BLM protests. Entire cities were shut for weeks in terms of curfew. LA was shut down for a week in terms of curfew. Melrose Avenue was allowed to burn. Okay, so don't give me the, the, the that... <laughs> don't give me this bull crap that this is about how America's a white supremacist country. So they allow this. They, they let this go on in L.A., in D.C., in New York, in Seattle, in Port. Like they let regardless of, of the of Antifa, white Antifa, jackasses or BLM rioters. They let it go on. Right. Like, making it about race is, is is crappy narrative. Number one, crappy narrative. Number two is, of course, the, the media spending months and months and months declaiming that rioting was fine so long as they agreed with the rioters. Antifa didn't exist. Joe Biden said that Antifa was just a philosophy. Chris Cuomo went on national television. He said, who says that Who says that, riot, that, that protests have to be peaceful? Why should they have to be peaceful? This is just a couple of months ago. It was back in June. Here was Chris Cuomo of CNN. Too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please, 
show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful, because I can show you that outraged citizens are the ones who have made America what she is and led to any major milestones. Oh, weird. Be honest. This is not a tranquil time. How magical. I mean, it's almost as though there's a massive double standard that the media will apply to rioting and looting. Why? It's incredible. By the way, if you're on the right and you are now looking at this and going, well, it's okay what happened at the Capitol, you're doing the same thing in reverse. Okay, but the left did this across the entirety of the media. It wasn't rioting. It was mostly peaceful protests, mostly peaceful, right? For months, don't gaslight us with this garbage where you suggest that you're always against political violence. You're not. You're just not. Okay, like that's that's not the case. So you don't have a lot of legs to stand on when it comes to this. So that's narrative number two, right? Which is which is the, the media suggesting that riots are okay for the left, but very bad for the right. When the answer is riots are very bad for everyone. They're a violation of law. They are criminality. They are evil. You don't get to do that in a democratic republic. I mean, AOC tweeted out back during the, the early days of BLM. She tweeted out that, that protests are supposed to make you uncomfortable. That's the goal of protests. Why is everybody so upset about protests making people? There were full essays about why rioting and looting were justified back during the summer. So that's narrative number two, is that when, when pro-Trump people riot, that it's uniquely bad as opposed to BLM people rioting. The answer is it's all really bad. You want to live in a republic together? We're going to have to acknowledge that political violence is terrible, horrible. It cuts directly against the grain of the Democratic Republic. So that's narrative number two. And by the way, that double standard does fuel an enormous amount of rage by folks who are who are on the right. That rage should never end in violence, but you can see why people are upset about the double standard. Okay, and then there is narrative number three. And this is the one that is gonna be the, the, the big takeaway. This is the big takeaway that the, the left is pushing the hardest after everything that happened yesterday. And that is every conservative is responsible for what happened yesterday. And this is the takeaway. doesn't matter. Every single, every single major Republican politician, every single conservative commentator looked at what happened yesterday in absolute horror. The, the takeaway from the media and from the left, but I repeat myself, is that every conservative is responsible for this. That's absurd. That is absurd. Just as not every Democrat is responsible for BLM riots, just as not every Democrat is responsible for the congressional baseball shooting, just as people who voted for Joe Biden are not responsible for people who burned down storefronts, to to suggest that every single one of the 73 million people who voted for Donald Trump is responsible for a bunch of violent jackass thugs taking over the Capitol building, to to suggest that is, is patently absurd, offensive, ridiculous, and deliberately motivated. Because the left constantly does this, right? This is the constant suggestion. The constant suggestion is when a bad thing happens, it is attributable to conservatives speaking their minds freely. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. This is going to be the culture for the next few years, is that everybody on the right is going to be cudgeled into silence based on them pointing at somebody who does something clearly violative of conservative principles, like storming the Capitol building. So once again, I quote the id of the Democratic Party, Joy Reid. She says, no, 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 all conservatives are responsible. Doesn't matter if you condemned it. Doesn't matter if you think this is crazy. Doesn't matter if you even stood, if you stood against the the attempts to overturn the election. If you stood against what some of the members of Congress were doing in their election challenges, right? Everybody is complicit, right? If you if you voted for Trump, if you considered voting for Trump, then you are complicit. Right? This is the goal. It's not to to heal. Here's the reality: ninety five percent of the country looks at jackasses on the fringes and thinks, "Hey, look, jackasses on the fringes," but not the members of the Democratic media. For them, the jackasses on the fringe 
Those are, those are used to paint every Republican. And this has been the constant practice of the media for literally years on end. The constant practice of the media has been find a Republican saying something bad, then ask every single Republican in America what they think about the person saying something bad. Right? That is con- Meanwhile, no Democrat has ever had to answer for anything radical ever said by any Democrat. Ever. But every Republican will be made responsible for something that it doesn't matter if you overtly condemned it. Doesn't matter if you if you thought it was horrifying what happened yesterday. None, none of that matters. According to Joy Reid, you're complicit too. The elected officials who had a job today that's in the Constitution that they were supposed to do to officially and ceremonially install the new president to show that we believe in this peaceful transfer of power. We're completely thrown over today. Josh Hawley should resign in ignominy. It is absolutely ignominious what he did, sparking this. Ted Cruz as well. But honestly, Mitch McConnell too, they've all played a role. Conservative media has played a role. They've all played this game because they thought that there was no downside. Okay, so there it is. Everyone's responsible. Mitch McConnell, who, who condemned this, who, who stood against the Electoral College attempt, Mitch McConnell is responsible. Right? And by the way, here was Mitch McConnell on the floor yesterday after they reconvened, right? Remember, he is overseeing the electoral vote count. He's, he's one of the people overseeing this because he's the Senate Majority Leader. And he's counting into the presidency, Joe Biden, a person he opposed. Here was Mitch McConnell yesterday, apparently responsible for what happened when he was thrown out of his own chamber by a bunch of thugs and rioters. But Joy Reid says he's responsible, too. The United States Senate will not be intimidated. We will not be kept out of this chamber by thugs, mobs, or threats. They tried to disrupt our democracy. They failed. They failed. They failed to attempt to obstruct the Congress. This failed insurrection only underscores how crucial the task before us is for our republic. Okay, but he's responsible, right? Joy, you're responsible. I'm responsible. We are all responsible. Anyone who voted for Trump, anyone who considered voting for Trump, you're all responsible. If you're in conservative media and you said, as I did, that Trump has all available legal challenges to him, but everything has a legal process and you have to show proof of value, you're still responsible. Everyone's responsible, right? This is the slander, okay? Because understand, this is part and parcel of a broader agenda point for the political left. The broader agenda point is to treat you as a threat if you disagree with them. You're just as bad as the people who stormed the U.S. Capitol, right? You must be silenced. You have to be shut up because you are responsible for that. Doesn't matter if you condemned it. You're responsible. That's the perspective of Joy Reid. If you think that I'm exaggerating this, let me just point out, that Cory Bush, right, a member of Black Lives Matter, right, that's how she started off, was as a, a, an activist at Black Lives Matter. She introduced a resolution calling for the expulsion of any Republican member of Congress who challenged any of the Electoral College results. Now, I disagreed with their challenges to the Electoral College results. I don't believe they had a legal basis for the, their challenges to the Electoral College results. But you cannot expel members of Congress for voting a particular way on a particular question. That is not how any of this works. That is a violation of the First Amendment. It is a violation of basic principles of free speech. I disagree with Cori Bush on everything. I can't vote to, ex- she shouldn't be expelled from Congress. I mean, what, what, what in the hell are we talking about? But again, understand that for a lot of people, what happened yesterday is a brickbat to be used against anyone they disagree with. Right? Chuck Todd in the media doing the same thing. So Chuck Todd yesterday, he was uh, pointing out that a lot of Republicans who were on board for the electoral challenge were also condemning the violence. You could do both. You could do both. Again, this is coming from somebody who disagreed with the electoral vote challenge. But to say that Josh Howley is somehow responsible for people climbing into the U.S. Capitol building 
because he because he was promulgating what I think are untruths about voter fraud and the legitimacy of the election. Or, or beyond that, I mean, it's not just Josh Halley, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to extend this to every single Republican, to everyone, right? Here was Chuck Todd yesterday. Marco Rubio now calling for the president to say something. Um, they're, they're pleading with him on Twitter. I, I mean, and that is, isn't that just the, that the picture just, yes. of, of, of the past four years? Please, yeah. Mr. President, I have to talk to you on Twitter to, to try mm. and restore order. I don't know. There's a lot of empty rhetoric. There's a lot of empty concern. You know, this is one of those things. I think a lot of people are having their I told you so moment, unfortunately, right now. A lot of people have. So basically anybody, anybody who worked with Trump over the past four years is responsible for this. Anyone. You voted for him. You liked his judicial picks. You liked what he did in terms of foreign policy. You're responsible for this. This is going to be the end goal. Right. So we've had these three narratives. Those were the three narratives. The three narratives were one. This is racial because America's white supremacist. Incredibly ridiculous narrative. Two, that riots are okay when the left does it, but they're very bad when, when people on the right do it. And three, that all conservatives are responsible for stuff they overtly condemn, hate, and despise. Because after all, conservative rhetoric invariably, this, this has a long history. Okay, going all the way back to like the assassination of JFK when the media tried to blame right-wingers for JFK's assassination despite the fact that he was killed by a communist. I mean, this goes all the way back to the, the media trying to blame Rush Limbaugh for the Oklahoma City bombing. So this is just part and parcel of a Democratic talking point. But now it has picked up significant momentum. Barack Obama, of course, complicit in this. So Obama put out a statement saying pretty much this, right? He says, for two months, a he, sa he says, let, let me find the exact verbiage because it's pretty incredible. He says, history will rightly remember today's violence at the Capitol incited by a sitting president who has continued to baselessly lie about the outcome of a lawful election as a moment of great dishonor and shame for our nation. But we'd be kidding ourselves if we treated it as a total surprise. For two months now, a political party and its accompanying media ecosystem has been largely unwilling to tell their followers the truth, that this was not a particularly close election and that President-elect Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th. Their fantasy narrative has spiraled further and further from reality and it builds upon years of sown resentments. Now we're seeing the consequences whipped up into a violent crescendo. First of all, that's not what a crescendo is, but that's a side point. Right now, Republican leaders have a choice made clear in, the de in desecrating in the desecrated chambers of democracy. They can continue down this road and keep stoking the raging fires, or they can choose reality and take the first steps toward extinguishing the flames. They can choose America, right? It's the entire political party. It's the entire accompanying media ecosystem. It's everyone you watch. It's Fox News. It's Daily Wire. It's every podcast you listen to. They are all part of the problem. Weird, because it seems like that was um, the preconceived notion of Democrats all the way through. It's always Republicans who are the problem, all of them. Okay, by the way, this is how you get more polarization. This is how you get more division. By labeling people responsible for activities they are not responsible for. This is how it is done. And it is horrifying and it is disgusting. Chuck Schumer jumped on this yesterday. Okay, so Chuck Schumer in the Senate chamber, the Senate minority leader, after comparing this to Pearl Harbor, which again, that was a sneak attack by a military power against the United States ending with thousands of American deaths. But Chuck Schumer got up and, uh, and he said, this is on not just Trump, but everybody who follows Trump, every single person, this is on you. You 73 million Americans who voted for Trump, this is on you. Way to bring the country together here, Senate Minority Leader. Now, January 6th will go down as one of the darkest days in recent American history. A final warning to our nation about the consequences of a demagogic president. The people who enable him, the captive media that parrots his lies, and the people who follow him.
as he attempts to push America to the brink of ruin. Okay, so again, the, the idea here, this could be a unifying moment, right? There was this kind of wonderful moment for America after all this horror happened yesterday, after all this, this, these terrible images went out to the world. It's disgraceful, disgraceful stuff. After all that happened, there was this moment of unification. It really felt unifying, right? All the senators were ushered back into the chamber. There was video of them being accompanied by the, by the, uh, by the FBI and, and members of the police brigade and SWAT. They were, being, uh, they were being sent back to the Senate chambers to complete their work. And they were just being paraded back in. Thank you for being here. Thank and then the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, who has served with Donald Trump, who refused Trump's request that he violate the law by decertifying electoral college votes. Mike Pence gave a, a brief statement uh, to the applause of everyone in the chamber saying that we need to get back to work and do our constitutional duty because this is a constitutional republic. It is not a mobocracy. This could have been a moment when everybody, left, right, and center, said, that's true. We have a system. The system held. Jackasses storming the Capitol building did not stop the system from working. Here was Mike Pence's statement yesterday. As we reconvene in this chamber, the world will again witness the resilience and strength of our democracy. For even in the wake of unprecedented violence and vandalism at this Capitol, the elected representatives of the people of the United States have assembled again on the very same day to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. So may God bless the lost, the injured, and the heroes forged on this day. May God bless all who serve here and those who protect this place. And may God bless the United States of America. Let's get back to work. Okay, so there's this uniquely kind of wonderful moment for just a second. And then Chuck Schumer got up and said that everybody on the right was responsible for this. And we are back where we were. And, uh, and I don't think it's going to move forward. I don't, because here's where things are going to end. Here's where things are going to move. Uh, this, is the, this is the natural outcome after all this is over. And you can see it happening. So Twitter suspended Trump yesterday. He put up that video that we played a little bit earlier. He put up that video. He claimed that you, know, you got to remember this day. Right? I don't like the video. I don't like the tweet. I don't think they did nearly enough in tamping down what was happening or in telling his followers the truth, which is that the election has been called. It is now over. And that, frankly, the, the allegations that he made have been largely unsubstantiated and almost entirely debunked when they have been actually pegged down to anything specific. So Twitter announced yesterday that they had suspended Trump for 12 hours. This is precisely the wrong move. You don't suspend the sitting president of the United States. Frankly, I don't think that Twitter should be suspending people based on their promulgation of data that Twitter doesn't like or that is untrue even. I think that free, the, the answer to bad speech is more speech. I, I thought this used to be a basically American principle that we, we don't throw people off of platforms for saying things that we think are untrue. So Twitter said it would lock Trump's Twitter account. That is not going to convince any of his followers, any of them, the ones who are, who are doing this sort of stuff, that he is... Um, that he is wrong. It's not going to do any of that. Then Facebook took down Trump's video. Facebook suggested that Trump's video, well, the, the actual statement is that they were taking down Trump's video specifically because they thought it did more harm than good, which is a judgment call, right? I mean, I may even agree with that judgment, but that doesn't matter. It's a judgment call. He did call for peace in the video, even though he was saying a bunch of other stuff that I really disagree with. Guy Rosen, who's the VP of Integrity, 
at Facebook. He tweeted out, this is an emergency situation. We are taking appropriate emergency measures, including removing President Trump's video. We removed it because on balance, we believe it contributes to rather than diminishes the risk of ongoing violence. So let me just point out, how many videos went around on, on Facebook during the BLM riots that actively encouraged the violence, justified the violence, and said that it was okay? Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? Everybody can see the double standard. Everybody can see how this is eventually going to morph into the banning of pretty much all wrong think. Facebook announced it will now remove all photos and videos posted from the protest, all of them. He said, first, we've been searching for and removing the following content, praise and support of the storming of the U.S. Capitol, calls to bring weapons to locations across the U.S., not just in Washington, but anywhere in the United States, including protests, incitement or encouragement of the events of the Capitol, including any video or photo from the protesters. At this point, they represent promotion of criminal activity, which violates our policies. Do they do any of that with the BLM riots? I don't recall them doing any of that with the BLM riots at all, like none. Calls for protests, even peaceful ones, if they violate the curfew in D.C. That certainly did not happen with the BLM riots and protests. Not, not for a second, not for a heartbeat. Facebook didn't say, okay, you know what? Curfew is 6 p.m. We're taking down all the calls and organizational efforts for a peaceful protest in a park. They never did that, ever. As part of this, we removed from Facebook and Instagram the recent video of President Trump speaking about the protests and his subsequent post about the election results. We made that decision that on balance, the posts contribute rather than diminish the risk of ongoing violence. Okay, so this is going to be the talking point going forward as your speech is diminished. Right, what happened yesterday is terrible. What's going to happen in the future if you start seeing an overt attempt to shut down free speech on the basis of what the Germans call Streitbär Demokratie, right? The protection of democracy requires that you not allow certain rhetoric you bring that to the United States, you expand the definition of incitement, you expand the definition of damaging speech, and pretty soon you have a, a complete shutdown of free speech and dissenting points of view. Because the left has a real tendency to expand the definition of harm. Right? It, you, the speech that, that is free and does not call for violence, it could, be it could be incitement, it could be harmful, it could be damaging. The microaggression culture cultivated by the left suggests that anything that right-wingers say, anyone, anything conservatives say, anything that Americans who simply are not woke say is damaging in the extreme, right? It's an attack on identity. If this becomes part and parcel of a broader attack on free speech, which it absolutely could, and there is every indicator that it will, that's a tremendous danger to the future of the republic. The solution to all of this was, is, will continue to be the rebuilding of the social fabric that has always meant the same thing. It has always meant the same thing. You condemn in the strongest possible terms actual violations of law you condemn riots, no matter if you agree with the cause people are rioting for or you don't. You condemn rioting, you condemn violence. You say that it's disgusting because it is disgusting. You provide solidarity for people who are exercising their rights, but no solidarity for people who are violating the rights of others and violating the law. This is so not hard. And yet all the political incentives are aligned in precisely the opposite direction. There are a lot of people who make bank off of telling you that things that are bad are good, there are a lot of people out there who make bank telling you that all of the people who you dislike politically, they're actually on the side of the devil, right? that they are morally evil, and that all the people who you like politically are actually on the side of the angels, no matter how bad they actually are. That has to stop. Look at your friends, look at your neighbors, look at your social groups. Realize that all of them, if they are good people, look at what happened yesterday with horror and shock. And that if we're all Americans, at least that much we should agree upon. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about violence done at the Capitol building or violence done in Kenosha. This kind of activity cannot go on in the United States of America. Yesterday was an egregious symbol of the state to which our, our republic has sunk. 
We need to pick ourselves up. Remember that we are still members of the same country. Look to the Constitution as our guide. Follow the law and recognize that we are still citizens of the greatest republic in the history of the world. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. Coming up soon, The Matt Walsh Show. Check out his show airing 1.30 p.m. Eastern over at dailywire.com. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.